All right. Um, <laughs> oh, man, Kenny, I'll tell you, I'm answering emails. I'm, uh, I got my phone ringing. I got, it's crazy. Bradley, you put I, all that aside because we have Pete Wood, and Pete is going to introduce his guest. Please. And then I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk to Peter about a story that was in the Duluth News Tribune here uh, where they're losing a biomass plant, which could could affect about uh, a huge amount of income for loggers. So, yeah, please, yes. Peter. Yep, we, our... we, could, we could hit on that here in a little bit. JT, John Thompson is with me, former St. Louis County Land Commissioner. And okay. he's, he's got a buggy out at 930 because of a medical issue. Yep. But yeah. uh, he came in, and he's got a lot of stories to talk about. But uh, uh, I've known John for over almost 40 years. It's quite a while. He's retired now, and he has his own little trinketry stuff that he does. But he has a tremendous amount of stories of what St. Louis County has done and land departments do, how they manage their force in that, and what really takes place. It's, it's uh, Remember in other shows... How I said that us loggers, when we come into spring, we start planning our whole year is right now yes. coming up. And actually, this is my favorite time of the whole year is right now because while I'm done working those 15, 16-hour days, which does take place, you know, sometimes 14s, but now I'm down to like 8, 10-hour days, which makes it feel like it's vacation <laughs> to me. This is like, wow, the weather is beautiful. The sun comes out. You know, you get that real crisp, clean, fresh spring air, how it's beautiful out with all the, uh, the moisture we have here. So this is and my no favorite. Bugs. Yeah, nope. no bugs. It isn't hot yet like you get in Florida. It's nice right here how it is. <laughs> little poke. But uh, uh, we, we have JT here for just a little bit. And it, the land departments of different uh, entities like DNR, St. Louis County, Douglas County, they have their own timber program, how they manage it. And they, they look at short-term as well as long-term. Just like us loggers plan our whole year out right now coming up. And so I thought it'd be great for somebody to come in that can speak freely, that's retired, so he doesn't have to worry about being politically correct. You know what I mean? There you go. There you go. I promise well, not John to name Thompson, names. Uh, John Thompson, first of all, welcome to the program. Uh, can you give us maybe uh, just a couple of minute review of how, when you were working with the land department, how you ended up working with yahoos like Peter Wood there? Uh, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you guys work together in the logging and the land department area? Yeah, I can sure do that. Uh, <laughs> I I did promise. Uh, actually, I was not the land commissioner. I was the South Area Land Manager. I, I handled okay. field operations out of Pike Lake, and on about a half million acres. And uh, okay, but well, I first met Peter, like he said, almost forty years ago. Um, it turns out that Peter's father, uh, Joe, I he cut the first timber sale that I ever. Uh, cruised and uh, I met Peter sometime right around there this big gawky 18 or 19 year old kid with big <laughs> feet and I knew he was going to grow up to be a big one and he and he did <laughs> a little so, bit thinner back then <laughs> well you, you were a little thinner but big feet I remember that <laughs> so oh so Peter please yeah. you're not heavy believe me <laughs> yeah if you watched him work you'd know why but, uh, I can imagine. Well, having been retired a while, um, well, I've been around St. Louis County operations uh, essentially 39 years now. And it, it's long enough to really look out there and see the results of our management. And where Peter says he plans his whole year, the difference for foresters is we're planning on 50, 70, and 100-year and 
horizons. And it, it takes a few years to really wrap your head around that when you when you start into forestry. But sure. you know what I'm seeing, and it, and it goes back to work we did 30 and more years ago uh, and ongoing, uh, is a lot of, of really healthy forest where we used to have a lot of stuff that was really on its way to just falling down. Um, you know, we've increased, we brought a lot of that pine component back because it was missing I think St. Louis County has to have planted probably 50,000 acres of pine and spruce by now uh, that we've put back in. Uh, there's uh, Also, we, we keep the old growth stuff. Uh, a lot of old, big white pine around. If you get out there and look around, they're there. Um, one of the things I like is that the wildlife's doing great, and, oh, and we yeah. take a little credit for that. Um, one of the requirements the department still has is that any any timber sale or, or other uh, project job we have out there, the guys that are putting it together have to show at least four uh, benefits to wildlife from that job. And uh, usually we can list off eight or ten, um, sure. but at least four, whether it's, whether it's creation of food sources, whether it's uh, preserving nesting habitat, um, whether it's a timing issue to protect the wood turtle, which is an endangered species, um, lots of different things that that we do, but they're all integral parts of the timber sale. Um, well, John, um, when you talked about the white pine, that was something that was really introduced. That wasn't kind of natural in this area, was it? Oh or yeah, was it? Yeah, oh, they what? came okay. here about seven thousand years ago. Following the Ice Age, they, they actually came from two directions, and the species reinvaded up here. Uh, one one strain came from the south, and the other one came around the north end of Lake Superior. But, yeah, they're native pine. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. And, so, boy, they uh, there's a market for them, isn't there? I mean, that that's one of those woods that a lot of the industry likes to have. Uh, it's not as good now as it has been, but that comes and goes. Yeah, uh, that comes and goes. Uh, we've got a lot of, of the red pine or Norway pine. That's the same species, red and Norway, two names for the same tree. And okay. uh, we are trying to put more jack pine back on the landscape. Um, jack pine's not as pretty a tree, but it but it uh, it has a place in the ecology. So we're trying to see more jack pine coming back. It is an ugly tree. I still say it's an ugly tree, but well, it's it is effective. A, it's Books an, are everything sometimes, you know. Well, it is an ugly tree, but a lot of stuff eats it. And, and Kenny's just getting this look of, what the heck is going I, on here? I no. love the jack pine. No, jack pine's <laughs> ugly. As, I, I don't want to say how ugly it is, but it starts with a B. There you go. It's that ugly. It's, it's, it's that ugly, yeah. It works excellent. I'm stunned, Bradley. Yeah. One one of the big things I'm proud of, and, and I want to say our our county has been a real leader in this, um, implementing best management practice, and that's where we work with, with loggers. And we got we got the most professional logging force out there uh, oh. that we've ever had. Um, back in the day when I started, there were a lot of weekend warriors, and there were a lot of guys that were doing practices that weren't really very good uh it was a common practice to change the oil on your skitter you just pulled the plug and dumped it on the landing and uh, uh sure that came to a halt in, in a hurry 
Uh, <laughs> I think that ended probably 30 years ago, I better. better. Uh, it ended yeah. about two days after I became the area manager, Peter. <laughs> because I put a... Uh, the law settled in and it's changing you put right the now. Gosh I, on that. <laughs> I, I didn't like it. And I told my folks we were going to put a $100 fine on any any puddle of oil we found. And you know what? I think I collected two fines. And it that wow, practice that ended great. right there in its tracks. And that was a good one to end. Yep. That but, you know, exist you know, guys, I, I wanted to mention to you that, that we have a uh, we have a labor a labor group that sponsors a, a piece in our show, the, the 49ers. And they. They love this segment because they say a lot of their a lot of their labor force guys are the same kind of guys that go out in the woods and do the kind of work that you guys do, truckers yep. and loggers, and they're just hard work and salt of the earth kind of guys. Yep, they they don't want to wear the suit and tie. They want to we, we call them either rednecks, blue collar, whatever you want to call them. They're people that want to work out in the elements and they just love it. They don't want to be. We need all wide range of everybody. We need the we need the suit and tie people. We need the people that will work out in the elements. And, and yes, uh, the 49ers and loggers, there's a lot of them that intertwine. That They, they cut wood in the wintertime, and now they're going to go back to construction here probably in about another month. It's going to start picking up here. Actually, the 49ers have an excellent training facility down in Hinkley. And if a person wants to work out in the elements and make a good wage, it's something that I would look at as a young person to go and tr- check them out because they can train you and it's education is ongoing but you could do that in the summer and then you could look at work being a logger in the wintertime but it, it's training both ways but if you want to work in those elements it's an excellent life actually yeah well john uh we're, we're talking to john thompson yep. this morning who's retired from the land department and, and john you were explaining a little bit about how you work with people like Peter Woods and other loggers. Uh, so the county, the state has a certain amount of land that is available for lease, and then you, your job is to make those lease arrangements with the loggers, and then I think after the fact, go out and kind of inspect what job is left after the, the clean-out, right? Oh, we, we spend a lot of ongoing inspection. Um, we never tell the guys when we're coming. We just pop in. Um, Sometimes we almost get run over by a skitter because they don't see us. Uh, it's a little wake-up call. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, no you, kidding. You want to try and make sure the guy sees you, but he doesn't always. And sometimes you think you're good because he's driving away from and he decides to back up. Uh, so you, you keep your eyes open out there. Uh, Peter talks about being out in the elements. They don't know nothing. They got a cab. They should try being a forester. <laughs> oh, a little bit of oh, vulgar jesting yeah. now going. Yeah. Anyway, um but yes, we we uh, you know you realize that we don't do timber sales so that loggers will have a job. Loggers have a job because we need timber sales and other projects done. That's why loggers Correct. have a job, so that you know we need to we need to rotate this forest over, roll it over, and and bring in new growth and and get new uh, maybe missing components back in. And that's where the logger comes in. The loggers are really the 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 hands that do the work for the planning that foresters do and and that's well, that's uh, John the, is it is it fair to say I mean I don't mean to simplify it uh, by any means but I think it's fair to say that uh, an example of how uh, an area that has not been uh, managed properly 
the big blowdown that happened up in the BWCA. You had so much timber in there and so much intertwined timber that when that blowdown happened and when it wasn't gotten out of there and cleaned up, that's the negative things that can happen. And when you talk about, uh, John, like you just did, where you manage the land, you're cleaning out a lot of that entanglement undergrowth. You're cleaning out a lot of the old wood to make room for new wood because wood is a renewable source that continues to grow year after year. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, um, the land departments, and this is part of our legislative mandate, is is to generate revenue for the county because because these are tax-forfeited lands and they don't pay any taxes so part of our job is generating revenue too and we don't lose sight of that that's a that's one of our issues and if we get too far afield uh putting in trails and putting in campgrounds and things like that you don't generate any revenue there so you got to make it up over on the timber we also sell gravel uh we have the hunting cabin leases um we've got mineral leases now with with uh, iron ore for instance uh there's some other revenue sources but those are the big ones uh, but yeah we're we're trying to to make the forest healthier and and I, healthier I in many uh, ways see see john and peter both I, I just learned something new myself i didn't realize that the land that the county land group actually runs and manages gravel pits too i knew that there were gravel pits out there but i i guess i never knew who was responsible for them well it it's uh it depends on the land ownership uh but if it's on tax forfeited land that gravel pits managed and uh sawn by the land department and we we sell gravel auctions when a big project comes up we we auction the gravel and it's it's a significant source of revenue and of course uh you know, projects need it. Uh, gravel is essential, uh, whether oh, it's absolutely. whether it's road sand or whether it's it's gravel for the subgrade. You name it. Um, but we have to we have to do that. Uh, I want to touch on something I'm really proud of, um, Brad. The PCA sure. just did a study last year. It's it's the second one that they do them about ten years apart. The healthiest watersheds in the entire state are our St. Louis County forest right up north of Island Lake. Really? And that's not data coming from the land department. That's from the PCA. That arguably makes them some of the healthiest watersheds in the country. And and can a lot of that, uh, John, be referred back to the management process that helps keep them that way? Well, or? we certainly believe so. You know, we've been actively managing in those areas for close on 50 years now. And and that water quality has stayed the same. Water coming out of the forest doesn't have much of a problem. It when it gets to town, it develops some problems. Sure. But but uh, the water up in our forest is is good, and the water quality, you know, that they're, they're not impaired. We, yeah, we've got some mercury issues, but that's from a whole different source. They have nothing to do with with the logging. But but that's okay. a a big issue i'm real proud of that uh that that you know we and that's a direct result of the best management practices that that the guys are following real well 
And well, so, John, I think you should be proud of that because I, I know we, all of us that live in northern Minnesota, that we all respect and admire the fact that we, we can look up in the sky and see clear skies. We can drink good water. In fact, a lot of the areas in northern Minnesota, you can walk down, you can hunt out in the woods, and you can feel pretty comfortable dipping your uh, canteen or a cup in the water in a stream that you're walking by and drinking right out of it without I still having to worry too much. There's a yeah. little, little critter called Giardia. The, yeah. Is that little, the little bacteria that you don't want? Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't do that. There's a little too much beaver activity out there. So I, I don't advise that. It, it may look great, and I may have done it a couple times, but I don't advise it. In other words, it's still good, like we were taught in the service boil your water before you drink it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, guys, we have to take a, a hard break here to uh, to uh, sell some sponsors, but uh, we're going to hang on to you. Uh, John, I know you have to go at the bottom of the hour, but we're going to be right back after this quick break with John Thompson and Peter Wood. Giant Redwood. The larch. The fir. The mighty Scotch pine. The smell of fresh-cut timber. The crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side. We'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack uh, and he's okay. He's Peter, you knew you couldn't get out of the studio without it. <laughs> I still laugh. It's almost two years. No, not quite. A year and a half of listening to that song. You're still playing that song, huh? Jeez. Oh, well, you know, seriously, though, let, let's talk a little bit. Uh, Peter has a, a guest in today, John Thompson, retired from the Land Department, St. Louis County. Uh, but let's talk a little bit how logging has changed, because it used to be, I mean, I, I told the story up at uh, when the loggers, uh, when your association, Peter, had asked me to come be their guest speaker a yep. few years back. Yep. I told the story about how I worked in the in the, in the the uh out in the woods for two summers with my uncle who ran an operation out of the Brookston area. Mm -hmm. And at that time, logging was extremely labor intensive. Almost everything was done by uh, manpower, by muscle. But today you can do a lot more work with a lot less actual human beings, can't you? Oh, by a lot. There's no comparison. Even 20 years ago was a big difference. Um, today you have track machines with hot saws that'll cut a 20 inch tree off in about a second second and a half yeah where before it would take probably you know 10 seconds with a mechanical shear so even that kind of stuff they're so much more powerful so much nicer um there's no comparison the seats that are adjustable in new machines are so comfortable it's like sitting in a nice chair in your house you'd have if you ever get a chance and with uh with a manufacturer if you can sit in a machine and see what i mean you'll know when you sit in them it's they're so nice yeah. but you have to work to pay for them too you know they're not cheap they're very expensive well that's the thing i mean the yes you've been able to reduce a certain amount of manpower hours but you you've made up for it in the cost of the equipment and machinery that you have to make up for in productivity so right there are trade-offs there but uh but I've noticed that it's just uh, so much easier. Like you say, you can you can take one of these brand new feller bunchers or whatever, and you can cut a tree off at the bottom, drop it, strip everything off of it that used to have to be stripped off by 
hand, yep. and uh, and all happens in just a blink of an eye. It seems like goes really fast. Uh, John, hey Brad, when, I need to jump in on you because I've only got a couple of minutes and I have yeah, to please, run. Yeah, uh, please. But I am reminded back in the day, uh, Sven inherited a bunch of money. And they asked what he was going to do with it. He says, I'm going to buy some equipment. I'm on equipment. I'm going to log till it's all gone. And I think the guys are doing a little more business like now. But that was that was kind of the attitude sometimes. Yeah. I, I just wanted to touch on some problems because there are still some problems out there. And, and then I've got to fly, but I'd love to come back. Okay. Um, sure. We'd love to have you come back sometime. You know, here's some things that are still happening and, and concerning us. Uh, dumping of trash out in the woods is still happening and we Boy, still come across is. where somebody has renovated their cabin and and uh dumped the trash and and uh, uh so those happen mill closures are a big concern if we don't have a home for the wood we can't manage yeah and i know there's some folks who'd like to say well we shouldn't but you know i, I wonder what they're going to use next time they want to build a house then um, or next time they want to go to the bathroom yeah, and wipe with. <laughs> exactly. And that, that biomass market, with the legislature letting Excel Energy uh, off the hook on using a certain amount of biomass, it, it certainly left the logging industry in limbo, but it's also affected uh, land management agencies tremendously because we've got all this blowdown out there from the storms we had a couple of years ago. And that's all going to translate into higher fire danger. It translates into woods that you can't walk through. Uh, and it, it's, it needs to be cleaned up. And rather than use a lot of tax dollars to do it, it's way better if we can find somebody that can do it for a profit. And, yeah. and then we aren't using tax dollars for that. Uh, we've got some spruce budworm problems showing up, up in, around Brimson and Ely and uh We've been accelerating timber sales, trying to make those things into paper. And we we that's some of the biggest issues that are out there right now. Of all of them, I think biomass is the biggest issue. And we, we need well, to be paying attention yeah. to that. And I know Peter uh, and Kenny are going to talk about that some more uh, Good. after I Good. have uh, to leave. I have and I guess more, I've got to bow out just about now. Well, so, I just have one quick question for you, if I could, John. Uh, I've had a lot of people ask me questions. Is there anywhere or is there a number, land department number or whatever, that they can call if, they, if, if for example, they burn wood and they're looking to go into an area and just harvest the down trees that are on the ground if they wanted to take wood, uh, cut it up themselves, be liable for it, and haul it out? Or is that just a non-existent program? Uh that's non-existent. Uh, okay. We did that for quite a while, and the problem was people kept making their own dead ones, if uh, you get my drift. Yes. They didn't find quite enough that were dead and down, so they made a few more. So they made a few more. And, yeah, that's not and good. so we discontinued those kinds of individual permits, and we, we encourage people, if they will, we'll give them the number for loggers, if there are any loggers who are willing to have people come out on the jobs after they've pulled out. The loggers generally don't want people there during their operation because of safety issues. Yes. Um, it's a lot of big equipment moving around. They need to know where everything is. Uh, there is a phone number, and that's 726-2606. And that's the, uh, that's the number for the land department downtown, the land commissioner's office. So 
I've got a roll, Brad. Thank you so much, I John, for joining it. us this morning. Hope to have you back again sometime. And Brad, Kenny, this would be. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for your service. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I uh, will see you. Bye now. Yep. Bye. This is WDSM AM seven ten and FM ninety eight point one. There. Yeah, that like is that. Uh, Woody Herman and the Woodchopper's Ball. <laughs> yeah, what do you think of that, of Pete? Of course it is. Uh, I've never heard of these songs is. until I came here. <laughs> Say, Brad, real quick, uh, John Thompson, who just left, a retired area land manager, St. Louis County, he brought in uh, a couple of wood carvings that he made, and these are pretty neat. They're, uh, they look like, I'm going to guess that's a spruce tree. It's supposed to represent like a spruce or an evergreen of some kind. And there's one for me. There's one for you. So when you get back, uh, you'll get one of Fantastic. these as well. And when you look at this, it looks like it might have taken, it would, it, this would have taken me three days to do. And he, I said, how long does this take to, for you to do? He says, oh, about 20 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so they're pretty neat. And I do thank John for that. Yeah. Yes, thank you. He sounds like a fun guy. I can't. We, we got to have him back on again. At some you know, point, I was I, I was yep. talking to uh, uh, Pete during the break here, and I asked him if in his industry if they're using drones and if they have any use for uh, for that type of uh, um, equipment. I don't know. I don't know if other loggers. We my nephew has a drone, and we've used it a little bit. They work tremendously because you can get up in the air real fast. And you can yeah. see where points are, or low spots, or or, or uh, valleys that won't work. Um, yeah, they're they're actually the machines are tremendously built and unbelievably clear how you can see everything. I've never thought it would be that good for, you know, $1500, $2000 whatever, and you can cover a tremendous amount of land in a short time. You can see how everything lays. So, I believe with time they'll get more and more popular because if you're going to lay out a road, lay out a skid trail or something like that yes or we also use satellite a little bit but the drone gets you up to a minute right now as we're looking at it live coverage things uh things peter are going to change so much in our industry and in in the world in general i mean we've heard the stories about uh different companies like uh uh some one of the pizza companies is going to deliver pizza by drone so they claim but your industry has changed a lot. And, and one of the things I'd like to talk to you about after we get done talking to Matt Boo from Duluth Stove and Fireplace mm-hmm. is, is the effect that closing of like Bland and Paper now shutting down their number five machine. Yep. And the Minnesota legislature passed legislation last year allowing XL Energy to negotiate a shutdown of three of their renewable energy uh, plants, the biomass plants that we were talking about. So think about that while I'm talking to uh, Matt Boo here, and maybe we can talk about those when they come back, okay? No problem, yes. All right, so Matt Boo, the guy that loves to be on in this segment because what a natural tie-in. I mean, a lot of of the stoves that you sell are wood-burning stoves, uh, 
Uh, it's kind of a natural tie-in to this segment, uh, uh, Matt. But but you've got out there at Duluth Stoven Fireplace on the corner of 27th and uh, what is it? You're on the corner, right on the corner of 27th and Michigan. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, right next to Duluth Griller. You've got fireplaces. Yes, you've got uh, corn pellet. You've got wood pellets. You've got wood burning stoves, gas stoves, gas inserts. But you've got so many other things. You've got fire rings. You've got saunas. You've just a whole myriad of things to make the consumer life a little bit easier. Yeah, and uh, as you guys were talking, I was trying to figure out how we could deliver a fireplace by drone, but I think there's too much. <laughs> I don't think that would work very good, no. <laughs> uh, although I... I, I these contractors more and more using uh, that type of equipment or to uh, do estimates yeah well especially i would imagine if you're instead of sending some guy up on a roof to see if you've had damage or whatever i would imagine you could send a drone up to go over every inch of a roof and know what's going on up there without having to set a foot on it yeah and we've done uh, we've actually done satellite uh imagery you know we'll send that over to a contractor to get a price on something and you know that way they can kind of see slopes and valleys and and peaks and things like that so it's it's pretty neat and, uh, like you said that just saves one trip out and climbing up on the roof sure sure well um uh, matt th- this is uh as we talked last week uh, this is getting kind of late in the the uh, heating season right now to be thinking about ways maybe you can save some money this year. But we've talked over the months uh, about so many ways, more and more new building construction that is being built is being built with what they call uh, heat in the heat in the foundation, heating coils. And although that's a wonderful way to save some money, it also takes a great deal of time to heat up the foundation. And if you need heat now, you want to have an extra source, a reliable source that might be wood, might be gas, might be pellet, but that can take the nip off the air right away. So a lot of times people that are doing new construction are building it in, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. That the, the slab heat is a great heat, but it, uh, not only, like you mentioned, takes a long time to heat up, but it also takes some time to cool down. So, yeah. you know, we, we in the Northland here will have a 30-degree day, and the next day could be 70. So uh, having an extra backup heat source like a fireplace or an insert is, is perfect for that situation. And and as far as the timing is, we're we're right in the, right in the middle of that uh, building season or right in the beginning of it and doing some estimates and stuff like that. We're preparing for the home show. So um, we got some action going on there, too, next week. Now, I was going to say, in the home show, uh, do you get a certain amount of your business every year out of that, or is that more of just a place to show off general knowledge and general equipment? Well, it used to be, you know, and I've done the home show for probably 30 years now. It used to be we did a lot of sales right at the show, and there's, there's a lot of that excitement, you know, we got to make the sale, got to make the sale. And that's how the consumer was. But, you know, nowadays the consumer is a little bit more educated and uh, yep. become a lot more prepared. So they're down there kind of seeing what everybody's got, uh, meeting the different vendors. Uh, and then, then we get a lot of return visits back from the home show where they'll, you know, at that point we'll set up a time to go out to their house and, and do the previews and 
and get that stuff done. So it's a great okay. it's a great way to see you know a few thousand people into your showroom basically. Oh yeah. Now, I would assume you must uh, bring to the show a variety of different types of equipment, a little bit of everything, and maybe not too much of anything, huh? Right. We just try to do one, uh, a couple of wood stoves, a fireplace. Uh, you know, might be bringing some central vac down there, our sauna equipment. You know, in the store, we've got, oh, just in wood-burning stoves, we've got 25 on display here. Uh, we just couldn't do all, <laughs> even though we got a 40-foot booth, we just couldn't do it all. So we like to show yeah. people just a little bit of everything. Well, we've we've kind of told people, Matt, where you're located, where Duluth Stove and Fireplace is located, right on the corner of 27th Avenue West and Michigan Street. But let's talk a little bit about when you have people there uh, so that you can show um, prospective customers what the different lines are, what the different benefits and features are of the different stoves. Yeah, we are uh, here Monday through Friday, 8 to 6, and Saturday 9 to 4. Our phone number is 727-9002, and we can be reached at uh, DuluthStove.com. Give me the phone number one more time, if you would, Matt. Sure. It's uh, 727-9002. All righty. I just uh, had an email last week from one of your customers who said, they heard us talking about it, and they were going to put in a wood-burning stove, a, a fireplace, and he said, I love the idea so much of it in the bedroom that we put in two. We put one in the living room and one in the bedroom. Oh, that's nice. The so works. there is, I think there is more and more of that happening. I mean, let's face it. As Kenny said, we had 156 days, I think, of temperature not above 50 degrees. So you could use that fireplace almost every night in your bedroom just to create a nice, uh, wonderful environment to watch TV, read a book, uh, just to prepare for the evening. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've become very popular. That, that electro, uh, electric fireplace really fall in their niche, and, and that yep. is certainly one of them right in the bedroom. All right, well, thank you, Matt. Appreciate it very much. Matt Boo, Duluth Stove and Fireplace. Okay, so, Peter, we were talking about... Uh, so many changes, kind of negative changes yep. that have happened in your industry as far as markets for your product. We were told a number of years ago that the biomass was going to be such a great thing. And now it looks like uh, the legislature's kind of let XL Energy out of all of that. The, it's been a couple of things that have changed on that that made them change back when it was starting to be looked at as something that XL would do was back in the 90s because of Prairie Island nuclear storage. A lot yep. of that nuclear storage has to be stored, I do believe, out in Arizona or something like that, in the somewhere out in the deserts, in the mountains, in the deserts or something like that. And to yep. get that nuclear storage way out there gets extremely expensive to move it out there. So they looked at could they keep it at Prairie Island by setting it off by using like biomass for burning to offset their their footprint you could so to speak well then in about the early 2000s they started moving that way and then in uh i think it was 0405 they started building the complexes one in Vincent, minnesota where they were going to use turkey manure and then there's another one up in virginia called lea which is hibbing and virginia where they would burn uh wood biomass for and then they would sell the electricity to xl which xl would start selling electricity outward and it was all kept that way 
for a while, and everybody thought it was a good deal, which it was a good deal, and we still need greatly. Well, the last few years, with the natural gas and all these windmills coming online and solar panels, their cost of buying the power from that has decreased, especially natural gas has gone way, way down. Well, they look at biomass as being too expensive. Well, the deal was supposed to go to 2026 and I think 2028. It was supposed to go 20 years where they'd have to buy this stuff, electricity, from the biomass market. Now, it isn't just the loggers that need this. It's also the land. If you if you take all the biomass away, all these blowdowns where you have major problems with trees being blown over, they, sure. they become very, very less valuable, especially if they get twisted up and snapped off. That fiber is ruined for a paper mill or a consuming yeah. mill of, of the fiber that is needed for them. Well, it can still be used for biomass. It can still be burnt, and we can go in there and clean that up, and you reduce the fire danger. Now, if if at the legislature it was last year that they put it into the budget to, so to speak, in layman's terms, let Excel off the hook so they don't have to do this anymore and they can start just uh, discontinuing the purchasing of the power of these places. Well, they still have Prairie Island. And they still, yeah. we still need to sell electricity. Well, I don't, but they do. And they say it's for the betterment of their customers that they, their rate payers. Uh, listeners out there, you folks, when was the last time that you heard that if any of these big companies sold power that you were buying, that they, they, they made some good moves and then they, they charged you less money for your electric bill? How often does that happen? doesn't happen very often, that's for sure. <laughs> no. So the, the doing of this is trying to get out of the situation that was set back, oh, probably 20 years, over 20 years ago, is being trying to be taken away, which it legally has been done at the legislature, but they're trying to fight to, to rechange it. But I guess as local citizens and individuals around here, if you want to make a difference, I guess, if you want to call down there and say, hey, what are you guys doing to help the biomass industry? Because yeah. we don't want to lose another industry that is needed, especially that because it, it isn't as big as like a, a big paper mill. But you're you're not taking beautiful logs and chipping them up and using them for biomass. You're not taking no. um, nice wood that can go for paper mills or, bio, or, or um, any kind of fiber for like clothing and that and chew it up and use it for biomass. You don't do that because the money no. isn't there. So what we do is we are chipping up into the trash. And so if we don't have the biomass, where is it going to go? It's going to stay on the forest floor. It's going to stay out there. And you are increasing the fire danger greatly. Well, Peter, we have to take our last break of this hour. But let's when we come back, let's talk a little bit about is there any hope to see, well, they're, they're talking about three plants, one in Hibbing, one in Virginia, and one in Benson right. that may be taken offline. But right. let's talk about whether there's any hope to replace this uh, this market, or is there a chance that it may not happen that they would take these out of the mix? But we've got to go to our last break. We'll be back shortly with more Sound Off and uh, let the sawdust fly segment here. This is WDSM AM 710 and FM 98.1. 
So is there any uh, rationale or relationship between that music and logging, Kenny? Well, of course. This is the song The Trees by the band Rush. Oh, my God. The trees, Brad, the trees. You know, uh, uh, Pete Wood and Scott Dane were in Washington, D.C., and uh, maybe he can touch on what was going on out there. Well, yeah, I'd I'd like to know a little bit about that. But before we do that, uh, you know, did you get a chance, Peter, to see this story uh, in the paper Monday? It quoted a lot from Josh Hull, who's the owner of Hull Forest Products. And evidently he spent a couple, three tours in Afghanistan with the Army. Then his whole family, his grandfather's logged, his father was a logger. And he just says that this uh, taking the biomass thing out is going to affect a lot of logging because they're going to have uh, they're going to have to find new markets for some of their product. Yeah, it'll ripple out pretty good. Josh Hall, he's he's up by the Island Lake area, kind of. Um, okay. He's he bought into the McCabe family business there, but he's he's a young younger. Well, we all we always look at younger people as younger, and they can be forty years old, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, the biomass market, it can ripple out so much because the loggers now that did more biomass and clean up the forest floor a different way or bought the junkie sales. We'll, we'll, we'll pursue the junkie sales because other loggers can't cut it because it's so much mess. Well, if you take them, keep from doing that, now it puts more pressure on the better sales. What I mean is nicer wood, saw logs, that kind of stuff. Now, they, they did quote your, uh, your partner, Scott Dane, in this story. They said an economic impact is exactly what a Minnesota group is suing XL for. The Associated Contract Loggers and Truckers of Minnesota have filed a lawsuit against XL, Benson Power, and Laurentian Energy under the Minnesota Environmental Rights Act, mm-hmm. which requires an, invent, an environmental impact statement or analysis be conducted to determine the impact that will result from the loss of these markets. That I don't know a whole lot about it because I kind of stayed out of it, so I wouldn't have a conflict yeah. of interest on it. That's, but okay. I don't even know who the law firm is to tell you the truth. That's honest truth, but Scott could answer it way better. But it's it's basically saying you got to legislate. In a nutshell, you got the legislator to change their minds on this, and now you, the ripple effect out is you didn't hear our side of it, and yeah. now we want to be voiced about what really takes place. It, this could affect individuals greatly. If, if, if you never have a forest fire go through because of biomass being reduced, it doesn't affect you. But if you do, homes can be destroyed, lives can be destroyed. You take the west out in the Rockies or something like that where there's vast amounts of huge biomass that's dead and drying there could be huge amounts being consumed out there to turn into biomass for burning even if it can't be used for anything else and turn into electricity even if it's a break even or something like that it's not going to be a break even if you're saving people's lives and businesses and homes and then the new crop will come back just like jt was saying managing of the forest is a huge thing and it takes and helps out everybody well, and it kind of indicated in this story, Peter, that this was a deal that was done kind of behind closed doors with XL and the and the uh, legislature that nobody really knew about it except those that were behind those closed doors, and it will affect a lot of people in the industry. Yes, uh, I didn't hear about it until it was probably getting down the road, and a lot of times you're too far down the road already to change it, but we're trying to see what we can do to to change it even though i'm not involved going down there 
I've yeah. gone down just to testify one time about how we do need the biomass. We do need these things for the industry as a whole, even the Northland as a whole. Well, Peter, we loved having you on again this morning, and your your guest, John Thompson. We thank you for coming in. Uh, we've eaten up pretty much a whole hour, but I'll tell you what: the people are interested in this facet of the uh, industry in northern Minnesota because it's a big part of uh, of everything that we do in the Northland. So we look forward to having you guys back in again, and we were glad that the Forty uh, ers have jumped on. Yep supporting this program as well so thank you thanks for, for your us. time thank you yeah you bet we'll be back hour number three coming up folks a talk of the north 98.1 k220 bf fm at 710 wdsma superior duluth